Hello, and welcome to COVID Matters, the podcast brought to you by COVIDAID. Today, we're talking to Dr. Fatima Hussain, a consultant obstetrician and gynaecologist and spokesperson for the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. We spoke to Dr. Fatima about fertility, pregnancy, maternity, and the COVID vaccines, and asked you, our audience, to provide us with some questions. Our content editor and writer, Cheryl, followed up with Dr. Fatima to hear her responses. I hope you enjoy the conversation and we'll be back afterwards with more information about the charity. Hi, Dr. Fatima. It's great to speak with you today. I wonder if we could start by talking about your work and how you began working with the RCOG. Sure. Um, Well, I've been a consultant obstetrician gynecologist for a long time, uh, 15, 16 years. And I work in a hospital just outside London, which is very diverse population. And when COVID hit us in early 2020, I could see the impact on uh, my patients and the huge sort of tsunami of uh, upheaval in the healthcare service, particularly in maternity. And so over the course of last year, I, I thought, well, I've got to do something to try and help pregnant women to try and understand what we can do to try and prevent this disease and also I'm very interested in all the ongoing research so I've you know I've become a spokesman for the RCOG for uh, particularly for the COVID right now that's quite an important topic for me so I'm here to really provide some insight into what we feel that pregnant women might want to know. It's definitely something we've noticed as a charity for COVID-19 that a lot of our website content around pregnancy and fertility, it's gaining a lot of traction and attention with our audience. So I think it's important that we really spread the information and the advice that is from a reliable and trusted source like yourself. If we begin then, the advice from healthcare professionals such as the NHS and the RCOG is that it's completely safe to receive the COVID vaccine if you're pregnant, breastfeeding, and if you're planning to have a baby. Which steps have been taken to lead us to that conclusion? Well, over the last 18 months, we've had mounting data from studies across the world, uh, particularly the United States, but now also from the UK, totaling around a quarter of a million women who've had the COVID vaccine during pregnancy. And the outcome on those, on the babies, has not been uh, of any concern. Obviously, long-term studies are yet to be had, but certainly what we have found is those people who are vaccinated against COVID in pregnancy are much less likely to get severe illness. And on the converse, the group from Oxford Perinatal Unit, Professor Marion Knight, has recently published data showing the unvaccinated women in pregnancy are the majority filling the intensive care with severe illness. So this is the reason why we're so keen to promote vaccine to protect women, because we do feel it's a safe vaccine from quite a large number of women that have been studied. So, I mean, there's no concerns that we've noticed uh, from those numbers. Does that include women who perhaps have pre-existing healthcare conditions or even some women might be experiencing long COVID symptoms? Are they safe to get the vaccine? Well, uh, first let's um, talk about the people who are more at risk. So 
if you recall, one of the reasons why pregnant women may be hesitant to have the vaccine now is because initially the JCVI, the Joint uh, Committee of Vaccination and Immunization, suggested pregnant women shouldn't have it. But the ones who were frontline health workers, social care, people who are immunocompromised or high risk, such as diabetes, were recommended to have it even during pregnancy. Now, that advice changed in April, if you remember, April 21. We made that advice that all pregnant women should have it. So obviously that does cover those women already, those high risk ones. Pregnancy itself is a state of immunocompromise, and that's why pregnant women are more vulnerable than somebody who's not pregnant. And that's why they are recommended to have the vaccine. In that case, I'll shift backwards slightly to talk a bit about the fertility aspect of this topic with regards to the COVID vaccine. For myself personally, as a young woman in her mid-20s, one thing that I had to consider when thinking about the COVID vaccine was how will this affect my fertility in the future if I begin to think about having a family of my own? The question I want to ask around this is how do we know at such an early stage that this will have no effect on male or female fertility in the future? I I can understand why women wouldn't want to have that uh, impact, but certainly there are some studies done in Brazil and elsewhere throughout the world where uh, large numbers of women have had the vaccine, gone on to get pregnant, and that data does not show that they had any difficulty in conceiving. The other thing that we must bear in mind is there's no theoretical reason why they should affect uh, pregnancy because the vaccine is not uh, something that would pass through the placenta, for example. It's not something that becomes embedded in the body forever. It's something that's there as a trigger for us to produce an immune response with our own antibodies. And the theoretical and scientific basis of why it would affect fertility is not really there. However, I'm aware of quite a few things that started as in the social media about something like similar to a protein, which is like the placental protein. I'm aware I've read those, but actually they have been really debunked as something which is not scientifically valid. So I'm really sorry if people have got mixed messaging, even from us when we said don't don't have it. We wanted to be sure We were waiting for data from the states, which we've now got during pregnancy, it's safe. Plus, don't forget the Medicines Health Regulation Agency gets reports of all side effects. People can report data about new medicines, such as the vaccine. That authority has been collecting data and we will get more information as time goes on. But certainly fertility is not something that should be Uh, of concern to women who should get themselves protected. Uh, I am a fertility specialist and I deal with lots of women trying for a baby and I encourage them to, to, to get the vaccine. The reason I encourage them to get the vaccine is because when they're pregnant, they're more vulnerable, particularly if they're in a high risk group. And I'd like to send a message for those women who are in the black and ethnic minority groups, the BAME community, because they are a high risk group for COVID-19 infection in pregnancy and a lot of studies and surveys have shown even in my own clinics 
that um, they're very reluctant to take up the vaccine. And I'm still trying to understand the reasons why, but a message to them as well in particular is to talk to us as healthcare professionals, tell us your concerns. We're happy to address your concerns. And we, we understand that people don't always you know, believe the science. Okay, we'll try any way we can to help you understand and protect yourself. One point you mentioned there was the side effects of the vaccine. And there's been a lot of talk really about women experiencing heavier or more irregular periods following their vaccine, either the first or second dose. Is there the fertility at all? Or is it a concern that this might be the case? That's very interesting because the data gathered through MHRA looks at side effects, the reported side effects. And there is a tiny number of reports, considering there have been almost 4.5 million women vaccinated. The proportion is around 30,000 reports, so it's really, really tiny. What they have found is there's a disturbance of the menstrual cycle, possibly for a couple of cycles, slightly heavier or altered cycle length. But it certainly shouldn't go on for more than two cycles or so. And if women are experiencing continued menstrual change, they should seek advice through the normal routes and shouldn't assume it's from the vaccine, really. I think I want to say, look, there's lots of reasons why periods can change. Don't think it's just the vaccine if it's going on sort of longer than a couple of months. So do seek advice from your GP or from the NHS website and particularly applies to postmenopausal women. So if there's new bleeding after the menopause and you just say, oh, well, it's the vaccine uh, and you're 12 months after the menopause, then you shouldn't really assume that. That's, that's really interesting to hear. You also mentioned that you work a lot with women who are planning to have a baby or a family in future. For those who are going through IVF treatment, does the vaccine have any known impact on the success of IVF? Well, the advice from the British Fertility Society and from groups related to fertility in the UK is that the vaccine can be given during IVF treatment. However, the recommendation is to separate that by a time interval where a procedure such as an egg collection is not done too near the vaccine because sometimes if you get a slight fever or feel a bit unwell, you don't know which of those things to attribute the side effects to. So that's number one. So there is absolutely no reason not to have the vaccine if you are going through fertility or IVF treatment. Now, with regard to the impact on success rates, I don't think it's been around long enough for people to know about the success rate, but some of the very smaller studies have not shown, there's a study from the States, has not shown any impact on the success rate of uh, the vaccine on IVF success. I would like to just add there that if the woman got COVID itself and she was pregnant, you know, she gets a fever and feels unwell. It's not great, particularly if you've spent years trying to get pregnant and you've, you know, just had successful treatment. So I'd say get the vaccine at the earliest opportunity so you're not in that position having to juggle uh, the two things together. I read something recently that actually talked about the fact that catching COVID is worse for you in terms of your fertility than not having the vaccine and how that would impact 
fertility. If we then move on to pregnancy, which type of vaccine are we recommending for pregnant women? And is there a certain time period that they should receive their dose of the vaccine during pregnancy? Right, so that's a good question. So Pfizer or the Moderna vaccines are the ones that are recommended in pregnancy. And if it's their first vaccine, however, if it's their second uh, injection in the course, then they are recommended to have the AstraZeneca if they had that first. And I'd say at any stage of pregnancy, they can have it. So it's, it's difficult, isn't it? People are a bit worried in the first 12 weeks, but there's no data to show that there's any difference in miscarriage rates or any impact on their pregnancy itself whenever they have the vaccine. Don't forget, this vaccine is not a live vaccine. The virus is not being injected and going through the placenta. It does not cross the placenta. It's an inactivated vaccine, rather like the flu vaccine, the whooping cough vaccine. So the women having this vaccine should feel safe in having it because the whole point of the vaccine is that you can mount an immune response with your own antibodies and then have another dose and then you'll have be protected for at least six months after your second dose. So ideally, you'd want to get that in sort of quite early on and then there's no advice about when you, you shouldn't have it. So just have it whenever it's um, offered. Just another thing I was thinking of, I just want to say something about the rubella vaccine. So when I do fertility clinics, one of the checklists is, have you, been, have you got immunity to rubella? Because this is an infection. It's very, not very common now, but a few decades ago, if a woman got rubella in pregnancy, the baby might have had deafness, deafness cataracts, etc. Quite bad things. Luckily, because of MMR immunization in this country, that level of infection and infected mums has gone down so much, we hardly ever see rubella syndrome. However, we're still trying to get our women immunized against it if they're not immune. And for that vaccine, we tell women not to try for a couple of months. So one, if they have two jabs, one month after each jab. And that is the type of vaccine you cannot have in pregnancy. So just for people to know that there is a comparison and why they may be a bit confused. Well, you know, I can't have that one. So why is this one? It's because this vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine is a killed vaccine. It's not active virus. So in terms of your advice, are you suggesting to get it sooner rather than later? Because from what I understand, a lot of women, if they're perhaps in their later stages of pregnancy, they might think, I'll just wait the next three months till I've had my baby and then I'll get the vaccine or they tend to delay it until after the pregnancy is over but from what you're saying it sounds like just get it as soon as you can. Cheryl I think you've really hit the nail on the head because uh, when I speak to my women in the antenatal clinic I always ask them have you had the vaccine just because I'm interested and I'm trying to promote uh, good practice for this and this, I think, is now part of our antenatal care, actually, to protect them against this infection, uh, rather like we're offering the flu vaccine, the pertussis, whooping cough vaccine. So they said, no, I think I'll just wait. So I do think what you've said is really important because the reason why women need to think carefully about this is to go backwards in time. So pretend you're now 40 weeks, so nine months, nine months minus six months, What's that? Three months, 12 weeks. 
you should ideally have had your second vaccine by then because you've got really good immunity, although the immunity is built up by about 12 weeks or so after the second dose. So if you think about it, the first dose and then the second dose interval is 12 weeks, isn't it, currently? So if you get it in, if you say you have it at 12 weeks and then your second dose at 12 weeks, you're getting your peak protection in your third trimester, hopefully. And that is the third trimester from around 28, 30 weeks onwards. It's the trimester we see the most severe illness, particularly if women are vulnerable groups. And I just to illustrate that point, I actually was on call a couple of weeks ago and I had to visit two women in that same week on intensive care unit. One lady had had her baby by cesarean, which is more common if you've had COVID in the pregnancy itself. It was born prematurely, which again is more common if you've had COVID infection in preg late pregnancy. And that lady was very ill. She had to be ventilated, not for very long, fortunately, but she missed out on all those important moments in that, you know, wonderful time after birth. She had to have a general anesthetic because she was so ill. And um, I just feel that if people could sort of understand that th that can happen, although that's only a minority of people and I don't want to make it sound dreadful, but, you know, it is something we can prevent, I think. So absolutely, the message is very clear. Get your vaccine as early as possible. Get your both doses in so you're protected in your third trimester. And that includes the booster over winter as well? Yeah, the booster, as, as we know, we started recommending routine vaccination only in April of this year. So the majority of women may not have had their second jab. And as you know, you need to be six months from your second jab to have the booster. But when you're called for your booster, please go and get the booster. So I think that's absolutely applicable to the booster jab. Yeah. One question we had from our audience on social media was about C-sections in particular, which you've just mentioned. Um, they ask, how long after a C-section can you receive your COVID jab? Right. So I guess this might be people who waited until after the baby's born. And that's fine. So the women who've had a cesarean section, um, ideally they should have the COVID vaccine. I'd say probably a week or two after the cesarean, mainly because if they had complications from the cesarean, such as an infection or they had a fever, we don't want to uh, confuse the side effects of the vaccine with any complications from the cesarean. So Although there's no theoretical reason why they can't have the vaccine after the cesarean, it's like, it's fine. But just for common sense advice, any operation or even any type of birth, you can have complications of infection. So we want to be sure we've gone past that sort of one to two week period. And don't forget, just to reiterate the point about not delaying vaccine until after you've had the baby. Remember, the baby is going to get the immunity from the vaccine that the mother has had during pregnancy. So whilst we say the vaccine itself doesn't cross the placenta, your own antibodies, your own antibodies that you have produced will pass through the placenta, go into the baby. The baby will have antibodies against COVID. The baby will be protected because, you know, when it's born, if it's exposed to people, soul contacts, we don't actually know too much about 
baby's exposure, but why would you want to expose your baby to somebody with COVID? So that's another reason why women should really think about getting the vaccine during pregnancy. Do we know anything about the development of babies whose mothers have been vaccinated? Well, there are long-term studies going on um, and data will come out, but that by definition, long-term is long-term. And this is, at the moment, it's, it's not been around uh, enough, but we knew, know that the normal developmental milestones in the first few months do not seem to have been affected, but it will take time. And there are studies going on throughout the world looking at that. We know that it's okay for your baby to receive the antibodies to protect them against COVID-19. Why then have children not been approved to receive the vaccine? Well, I think in the States they have been approved. But, and I think they, it's a, a case of benefits and risks because children are not um, affected very severely by COVID-19. It would be a case of children having it to protect the society. And, you know, I'd say people uh, between 12 and 16 are still children. So they have been they have been approved to have it. Uh, I think it's a matter of time once we get more data on the older age groups and they get data from the states where it is approved, where we may probably see that coming. But I think it's a case of let's get the most vulnerable people who will be affected by the infection, the elderly, the immunocompromised, the pregnant women, and certain at-risk groups such as, um, you know, we've discussed diabetics. Yeah, get them done, get the teenagers done. And I think just that little group of people are still not there, we may see that happening. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we wrap things up? Yes, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, recommend that all pregnant women and those trying for a baby and indeed everyone who's eligible for a vaccine should go ahead and get their COVID vaccine because the benefits outweigh the risks. And whilst there are temporary side effects, the long-term immunity it provides and the benefits to us as a society to um, reduce the infection rates, increase the immunity in the community is there. And I encourage all pregnant women to get the vaccine. There will be a few groups of women who, for whom are very rare cases where they're not quite sure. And everybody should be aware of the RCOG website. There is a decision aid you can go to. You can go to COVID aid and uh, speak to your own healthcare professionals. I think that's very important if you're concerned to get individual advice. Thanks so much to Fatima for her time. If you haven't heard of us, COVID Aid is the UK's national charity dedicated to supporting all those significantly affected by the COVID 19 pandemic. We want to help anyone who is struggling but may not have found the correct resources or support system to help. By building an empowering and caring community, we provide a safe space where people's voices can be heard and where you can gain access to support specific to your needs. We'd love to have you as part of our community, so please visit covidaidcharity.org and join our community at community.covidaidcharity.org where we are hosting live events and providing other support. We'll be back soon with another episode, and until then, please take care.